you've already heard it all. But now you resonate. The world has pushed you out of what you thought you knew, your comfort zone, and into this strange place, this slightly off reality. Welcome to the Truth Serum Podcast, hosted by the controversial and funny Dom Bates, author, mother, human, and all-round thought leader. The time has come to realign your essence with your experience. We all know this world is changing. You're here now because you've personally felt it, and your reality has reflected the Truth Serum Podcast, getting to the root of what really is. And now, Dawn Bates. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats on the armchair and dogs in the corner. Welcome to another episode of The Truth Serum with me, your host, Dawn Bates. I am here today. <laughs> I feel like I should do that gift thing where that man's doing the, the hands and the excited face. I'm here today with a very, very beautiful woman. Her name is Liana Shuli. Um, and um, although we've not known each other for very long in this lifetime, this woman she comes into your life and she just, I mean, they call me the molecule shaker, but this woman on oh my days, I absolutely adore you. Uh, and I'm so, so blessed that we have come together. Um, and I'm going to share with you a little bit about Liana, but some of the conversations that we're going to have today, <laughs> they're a little bit risque for some people. Um, and um, we, um, we're going to go where women ought to go. And sometimes women dare not go. Um, and we're going to get a little bit juicy. So welcome to the show, Liana. How are you? I'm fabulous. I'm just trying to turn off a microphone because the garbage truck is outside. But you know what? It's life. Everything that I talk about is can you be with life exactly the way it is and exactly the way it isn't? And right now there's a garbage truck outside my door. <laughs> so if you can hear it, it's taking away, you know, there's a, there's a thing that I do at my events. Um, I have everybody write down their doubts, you know, and what they, the fears and the noise and the stuff that gets in the way. And then we put it all in a basket. It's called um, uh, the fuck it bucket because you want to, you want to just like give it away. And then we have a gentleman usher out the doubt so we take that no, whole and we just like throw it out. So we can do that like right at the beginning. I am okay. well, honey. I'm so excited to be here with you and anyone and everyone who's listening because look, right off the bat, we used an exclamation word, which what I call the exclamation words, you know, because sometimes all there is in language is to just use an exclamation word. It's like at the end of a sentence, we just use them in the middle of sentences so we can actually drive the point off. So everything in that we don't want in the bucket bucket. Right. Um, now, let me, I'm just going to tell a little people like now, today, Liana is, I mean, she just said to you that they, uh, when she's working with people, they write these, uh, all these doubts and um, I set her down on a piece of paper. Now, Liana is the founder of Image Therapist International. She is also a best-selling author um, of the, let me get this right, You Are a Masterpiece. I when I read that title, I was like, oh, I so am. Great. And obviously Liana wrote this book. Um, and you're also the, um, thought, a, a globally recognized thought leader. Obviously I'm in your company. Um, and you are a style, sage, educator, and innovator. <laughs> now you always look fabulous and she's even helped me look fabulous at the start of this you should have seen us we were she was like okay if you just tweak your phone this way because as you guys know I travel the world and every time I come on here I'm in a different location and every time I do an interview I have to figure out the lighting and where everything is going to be positioned I don't have a setup like most of you at home do um, and Liana has just helped me 
figure out how to set up this new apartment that I'm in just so that I could not be in the dark as the sun goes down. So it was it really interesting. Okay, it looked beautiful. It did. Yeah. And you when girls get together and they support each other, that's what happens, right? Yes, yes. Rather than being catty, which a lot of the world is, you know? Mm. I remember it took me a really long time in my life to build close bonds with girls. Mm. It was very hard. Yeah, and I mean, you and I can talk about this now because, you know, we've, we've passed that bridge and it's been, it's been like a major lesson for me in my life. Mm. And as an image therapist, I always talk about this, the, the, the first impression that we have as people, not just as women, is our relationship to our mothers, you know, the way we see ourselves is through the lens of our mothers and the relationship to the relationship that we have with them and how they see us, how they view us. Our mothers are our primary caretakers for, I would say, 95% of the world. And even boys, you know, the, the way a boy, a young man starts to see himself is through the relationship with his mother. And for firstborn girls, it's like, okay, it's just a little too challenging, <laughs> but that's not, that's no news. It's been like that for centuries. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the work that I get to do or that, that we get to do together, I always say, let me undress your spirit so we can dress your body. Oh, and I like it's, that. It's the spirit that's cloaked because whatever the message was that we got from our mothers, and from our fathers and from the world around us. But mainly, you know, when it comes to the, the core as an image therapist, I can tell you that, you know, we, we were not held in the palm of our, our parents' hands, especially our mother's hands to say, you are just the most beautiful creation God ever made. You are sensual and gorgeous and pretty and loving and smart. And we weren't. Why weren't yeah. we? Because they weren't, you know? So it goes back century after century after century. And so becoming conscious about who am I as a human being? Who is this masterpiece? Who am I as a, as a woman? Who am I as a man? You know, what's my contribution to the world? We don't really get that school of life when we're being raised. You know, no. we get the society wants you to do this and your parents have to do this because if you don't do this, then they become ashamed for you. Like this whole shaming thing. Oh, <laughs> let's have that conversation. Oh, daughter. we're going there. We're going <laughs> to. And this thing, it's so re it's so prevalent in today's society, whether it's other mothers shaming other mothers because their ch children are not in the right clothing or they're not in the right um, school or if they're not in the cricket club or in the rugby club um, uh, and, and even business shame. women. Yeah. And then the mother's shame gets transferred onto the child rather than the mother saying, you know what, sweetheart, what would you like to do? Do Absolutely. you want to go swimming? Do you want to be in the basketball club? Do you want to go cricket playing? Do you want to play golf? What, mm. Do you want to ride horses? What would you like to, what's your desire? Do you want to go to circus school? Yeah. I want to go to circus school. I want to go trapezing. You know, and that's then always, no, no, no. You have to stay in the box of what society wants you to do. Mm. And that doesn't really fare well for most people's spirits. No. Yeah. And I think this is why I remember one of the, the teachers at my son's school. <laughs> You're not going to be surprised at this. She's, <laughs> we were discussing how, but neither of her, her or I fitted into the school because if Khaled and Nasa didn't want to do a, a club, I was like, well, don't do it then. If you don't want to do it, I'm not going to force you to do it because at the end of the day, I, I know that the only way you're going to really excel and enjoy this and enjoy your childhood is if you're doing an activity that you enjoy. Right. My eldest son, he's into anime. And, like, all, I mean, he's got a Yucatan... Um, sword from this conference that he went to at the weekend with his girlfriend and I was like oh my god I'd love to get you a real one you know I'm thinking, how can I get him a real one mm. and that mother it's illegal I was like oh yeah but because mother it's they've illegal got, they've got similar ones I think in Los Angeles you could get you know like copycat thingies they're not quite as I had a friend who, who bought one for his daughter 
And she's 11 and she's into anime. <laughs> she loves that. It is something I don't understand, but I think when we stop forcing things on people or censoring who they are or um, making sure that their image fits what we've created for them, we get to learn so much about our own prejudices. We get to learn so much about ourselves. But most importantly, we get to learn so much about our children and how the world is evolving. And the things I've learned, I'm like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, if, you let, if we let them blossom, you know, if we give them the space, the sunlight, the love, the nourishment that they need in order to blossom, I mean, look at what happens. Look at what happens. But we don't do it. You know, in, in the process of image therapy, I, I speak a lot about, you know, people going from bud to blossom. Mm. It's like we have been trained to stay closed, to stay inside of this confinement and not to blossom. But, but an orchid doesn't say, oh, I can't blossom because if I blossom, then someone else is not going to like it or I'm going to outshine. My beauty is going to outshine somebody else. Or, you know, an oak tree doesn't say I want to be an orchid and vice versa. A butterfly mm -hmm. doesn't say I want to be a bear or vice versa. They just do what butterflies do, you know? And mm -hmm. it's only us as people where our frontal lobe, you know, has developed so strongly that we have now reason and, and reason is overriding our intuition. It's overriding our sensuality. It's overriding our, our desire. It's overriding the, the budding to the blossom that we're so meant to be doing. Like we, we, you and I have so many conversation about luscious desire, feminine desire, feminine mm. uh, tr transcendence and sexuality and sensuality. And trust me, there were centuries where women were revered for, for our, our beauty. Our Paintings beauty. hang in art it, galleries. It, uh, the, 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 the museums are full with naked, luscious, round, yeah. juicy, know, juicy, gorgeous women. Delicious, gorgeous women with mm. beautiful breastuses and, you know, and, and fruit hanging. And just like, when did we stop doing that? When did it become that a mother cannot breastfeed her child in public because it's called disgusting? Like, mm. where are we? Like, what has happened? What happened? Absolutely. And this is the thing is, like, I've noticed that with some of my girlfriends, we can't, like, whenever I mention orgasms or want to talk about sex or, like, some of them get so incredibly shy. And they're like, Why do you what, this is just natural. Every single one of us here is here because of an orgasm, hopefully. Right. <laughs> we are all here because of, first, first and foremost, we are all created through and by and with sexual energy. Mm -hmm. Had our parents not had that twinkle in their eye, none of us would be here. Okay. And so, so just, just the grounding on that tantric wisdom. This is ancient tantric wisdom everything, these flowers, everything that is created by man is most probably created through some sort of passionate energy. Mm. I call that, I call it sexual energy because that's what it is. And it's one of the highest vibrations that you can have. It is the highest vibration. <laughs> and what is it taken down to? Now it's taken down into the muck and the mire and it's disgusting and eroticism is being, you know, mutilated in all sorts of ways femininity is being dragged through the mud because being feminine means being weak it doesn't no femininities are great you and i were talking about this earlier femininity mm -hmm. is our greatest asset you know women who own claim their crown as i say women who own who they are and walk into the room into either the room of their lives or the boardroom or the bedroom or whatever, wherever they go, wherever we enter, we can bring so much calmness and joy and blossoming and beauty just mm -hmm. by the fact that we walk into a room when we're open. Mm -hmm. And that part of it rarely gets discussed, you know? No, it doesn't. And it's such a shame because 
you know, the, the fact that we've got so many women in boardrooms that are doing their best to become men or replicate being a man to get ahead, or they're actually using their physical attributes in a very male way. Yeah, in a very obje objectifying way instead of a very beautiful, like you say, sensual way. And with some of the times I, I look at some of the uh, profile professional shots that women have done, and some of them are very stern, arms folded, close to the world, yeah. back straight, or they're alluring and, you know, they've got the full bosom out and everything. And it's like, yes, use your feminine charms, but use them in a way that I've always said I wouldn't want my Christmas presents if someone's already unwrapped them. You know, there is something very appealing, you know, very uh, erotic in the unwrapping of yeah. each other yeah. when you're in that moment. And, and anyone can get naked, but it's the nakedness of the soul, which is one of the reasons why I love it when you say, let me undress your spirit, spirit. so we can dress your we can body. Dress your body. And I and it's so true. And you've dressed some pretty impressive people. I mean, you, you do this for politicians and celebrities. And, you know, you work with some very large names. And, you know, you, you have so many um, accolades to your name and the work that you do. And you always look fabulous. Um, always. And I, and I, it's like, I just want, sometimes, like, people say to me, who do you want to, who, now, when you're doing your marketing and your branding and people say to you and you're going through this with certain people and you know over the years I've done it a few times and people say who do you look up to who do you want who who's your role model and I've always struggled because I don't really pay that much attention to other people because I'm so focused on being myself um that's good. But then I go, well, I actually like the way they dress or I like the way that they've got, the, I like the colors of that or I like the, the fonts of that or I like the way that that person has, you know, the dark. I mean, I've only recently started wearing darker lipstick. Um, before it was very, I, I very rarely wear makeup because I'm, you know, if I'm at sea, I'm not putting eyeliner and mascara on and lipstick on at sea. I'd look like, you know, I've had a fight with, uh, I've tried to put it on inside the tumble dryer. Your makeup box, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll fight with the makeup box. Yeah. But it's like every time I see you, you just look fabulous. And every person that I've seen that's worked with you, it's just naturally effortless and elegant. How, yeah, ease, honey. Ease. Mm. So my, my three highest values are abundance, and abundance for everyone involved, not just abundance over here on my corner of the world. Abundance for everyone who's involved in my life, my business partners, my friends, the my clients, everyone, abundance. Joy, mm. it has to be joyful. If it's not joyful, I'm not doing it. Absolutely. Oh. You, you heard us in that conversation yesterday. If there is no joy, there is not going to be abundance. <laughs> end of story absolutely and if we're right. in a space of joy then that spreads that's right because you can be the pebble in someone else's lake with your joy so joy abundance and the most important glue in all of this is ease if it's not easy if it doesn't just like flow out of my hands and just yeah let's you know you call this a dancing conversation like we're just going to dance we're just going to dance so if there are rocks and in, in, in Farsi, we say, if there's broken glass in it, like crushed glass inside this like wheel that we're, we're turning the wheel of life, then something is off. So I, I look at this and I, I, I look at my life and what life is bringing to me through the lens of my standards and my values. And, you know, it's funny because I was, um, I'm, I'm taking a, a Rumi class every Wednesday night. So it's two hours mm. with Rumi and a, and a poem and we go through it. And, and this ancient poem, this ancient poet, you know, we're looking at the writing and suddenly the, the gentleman who's leading the class says, you know, it's, we are all going to 
evaluate our values. I'm like, wow, I don't hear too many people saying that, you know, what's the value? What's your value that when things come to us, we filter them through the value system of our own special care, needs, love, wants, desires, passions, you know, rather than filtering it through somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And this conversation that you and I are in is, is it, I mean, it started because we're thinking, you know, people want to do what other people are doing. No, be you because everyone else is taken. Yeah, absolutely. So instead of I just have space to think about other people. My, <laughs> my head's still really nice. <laughs> There's no bandwidth, no bandwidth. Okay. My four terabytes belong here. They belong over here. And <laughs> stop downloading your shit onto my terabyte. No room. <laughs> That's, but this is what happens. It's like, you know, I talked about this. I'm writing an article about self-esteem again. Self-esteem. Self. Hmm. Not how other people perceive you esteem. It's hmm. self-esteem. And so if we keep filtering that through other people's other men, you know, a man comes into your life and doesn't like whatever your thing, your this, your, your shoulder, your nipples, your butt, then suddenly self-esteem goes out the window. Yeah. But because it's not built on self. It is filtered Absolutely. through someone else's opinion of us. And I've always said that opinions are like ourselves. Everyone's got one. Everyone's got one. Some people. Everyone's got one. And it was interesting because uh, in this month's article for MSP News Global, um, I titled it "Burn Baby Burn," um, and it um, is about how I actually done what your roomie teacher said. Like, what is in this business now for me? I have got so far along, and I've created this business, and I was absolutely in love with it before. But then I was like, okay, the, I'm starting to lose my passion. Mm. And I'm starting to get frustrated with X, Y, and Z. Why is that there? Mm. Revisit that. And it was, I didn't like being on social media. I absolutely hate being on social media. I find it very toxic, but it also goes against my values as someone who stands for human rights and social justice. And when you understand what's going on behind the scenes and how they're trading our photos, our data, our on many different platforms and some of them not not very very pleasant outcomes and then you look at all the the human rights violations and the censorship and the the lack of self-esteem and self-love and the mental health issues and how people are taking a look at your life and although you we're not living our life for other people and you know what other people think of us really is none of our business on a lot of levels if i'm contributing to people feeling less than themselves just by being myself is there anything that I can do but I also wanted a private life mm -hmm. and I wasn't getting a private life anymore people were more interested in what where I was um, and um, where I was going to next and the actual words that I was writing and so in this article I said how I burnt my business to the ground how um, I've got to the end and it doesn't matter how many people roll out the red carpet to me and how many people invite me on these stages. I've got to be so true to myself and my values because ego and doing things to impress people and people rolling out the red carpet for me, if I, they almost suck the energy out of you and you're like, actually, how much is my self-worth worth? How much Am I going to allow the vanity metrics and the people pleasing to steal me from me? Because the moment I start doing things to impress other people and to please other people, I lose a little bit of myself yeah. each and every time. Yeah. And no one and yeah. nothing is worth that. And no one's going to get it back. I call it abdicating myself. I abdicate. I abdicate who I am. The, the possible greatness, the greatness that's here, the learning. You know how much learning we abdicate when we do what, whatever it is? Like, you want to be more like that person or you want to be more like this person. Right? Like, here is our, th this is the opportunity that we have to live in this masterpiece, in this life, 
for the amount of time that we're here, what are we doing trying to be like other people? Mm-hmm. You know, there will never be another one like you who's been given the opportunity to come through this life, stand upon the shoulders of whom you stand with the experiences that only you have had. For those of you who are listening and watching, you are truly a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. No one has the alchemy and the tapestry and the chemistry of everything that you've experienced and, and funneled your experience through this beautiful tapestry and brings it out into life and blossoms with your message, your word. I don't care if you're a soccer mom, I don't care if you're a CEO. I don't care if you're a politician. I don't care if all you do is go to the post office, work eight hours and come home. Your song and your seed and your note in this world is needed because there will never be another one to create that symphony of the universe. And if you're hiding it or trying to be like somebody else, that note in God's symphony is not going to sound the same and the symphony of the world is not going to sound the same so put your head down look at your own life because it's amazing you know when we stop paying attention to oh my god that person said this and then this drama happened i don't care if they're your mother your brother your sister your cousin even your mate or maybe should i say especially your mate because drama begets more drama Mm. the course in miracles says something beautiful it says that which is like unto itself is drawn absolutely so what are you creating at any given moment that you draw that to yourself Uh, i I love juicy conversations it is and it's just leading me to the next phase of the conversation (laughs) i want to have with you um i mean i know we're dancing in it and they're like just like you know because four years in um you know there's no secret to the listeners so far that I am I'm still single you know and you know I'm I'm just like I am not prepared to um you know I've been in a very beautiful relationship with myself for the last four years nourishing me finding out who I am um you know because like a lot of people I I grew up and um I was trying to impress my parents I was trying to um, get the grades I'm over a high achiever believe it or not um and um you know and it was like then I was I left home I went into college and did the college thing and then I got married and I became a mom and then and then and then and then and then and nowhere in that did I actually spend any time by myself finding out who Dawn was mm. And so these last four years of having been on a healing journey, um, because I got to the point where I was like, I I just can't do this anymore. I just, I don't know who I am. I am exhausted. I'm tired. I was, I started snapping at my children, which I never wanted to do. I mean, there are moments when it was like, if you don't get out of this kitchen, I'm going to come after you with this wooden spoon, cheeky little sod. Um, You know, especially when I'm 35 and my youngest comes home and says, We've been in science today, mummy, and you're middle-aged up 35. And I was like, what? And he goes, you're middle-aged. According to science, I was like, I don't care according to science and maths. Get out of this kitchen, otherwise you're going to get this chilly wooden spoon across your backside. And he's ran down the corridor laughing. Um, and, you know, and I wanted to be that mum. I wanted to get back to being that mum. But with everything that had happened, you know, we, we'd, we'd finished living in Egypt, through the uprising, the death of my father-in-law, the divorce, and then the court case, which is, you know, detailed in uh, Crossing the Line and um, the Scotland Saga duology. And the thing is, it's like when you're going through life, if you don't stop as women and breathe and just go, I need to take a breath. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't discover who I am, I can't fall in the next version of myself and I cannot live the life I was born to live and I cannot live out this purpose but when I want to I've done so much transformational work I'm not I'm not interested in having a partner who is just on a physical level or on the transformational level I want that transcendental partner I want the soul gasms and the mind gasms 
and the orgasms, the juicy, wet, squirting ones that, you know, they just, we, we, we'd, we'd keep the Egyptian cotton towel manufacturers in business. And this is the thing, <laughs> women don't talk about this. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, because people don't understand there's a difference between an orgasm and an ejaculation, even in men. And they, a lot of men don't even yeah, know they, that they just, have multiple orgasms. Like I just woman. had this conversation. What's going on with the world? I just had this conversation with the man. He's like, what do you mean there's a difference between an orgasm and ejaculation? I'm like, men can have orgasms without ejaculating. Yeah. And he was like, what? No. Yeah. But you know and what? This whole, great when they do. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, this takes focus. You know, and not only does it take focus on this takes permission. Look, there there are not very many communities where <clears throat> men and women actually get together. <clears throat> excuse me, and have open conversations with dignity. Mm -hmm. That's why you know when you and I started talking about this, I I told you that what I call this is divine dignity. And when, when I say divine dignity, I mean, in all in, in areas of life, it's not just in the sensuality, it's, it's talking about money, it's talking about, you know, what's important to me in, in the ontology of language, what kind of words are you using? How do you speak to one another? How do you speak to one another in language is it also shows up in making love and I'm purposely mm -hmm. not using the word sex. Or yeah, because making love is something so completely Making different. love is a divine, beautiful union. That I think is I'm having a hot flush. <laughs> that is a dance <clears throat> and an art. And it's so, I don't want to say it's been forgotten, but it's been like, it's been put on the back burner. You know, everybody needs like a fast fix. Oh, I just need to get laid. Like when I hear women say, I just need to get laid. Sorry, I just need to move my chair back here. I just need to get laid. I'm like, why? You have two hands. You have a lot of toys. You can take care of yourself. Why are you making do? Or why are you stooping down to a level? You don't know the man. Do you know that every time you have intercourse let's just call it intercourse at that point every time you have intercourse with someone you are actually sleeping with all the people that yep. they've slept with before all the people that they've had an intimate sexual relationship you know i don't even want to call it sleeping with because i think sleeping like literally sleeping in one another's arms is one of the most precious beautiful yeah. sensual yeah. acts so yeah, if you're having intercourse with someone whoever you're choosing to have intercourse with, which this is not a moral conversation. This is a energetic conversation. This is Absolutely. A conversation. Thank you for making that point. It's a very huge distinction. We're not, you mm. can sleep with whoever you want. You can make love to whoever you want. Just know that the energetic piece of that person carries with it all the energies of all the other people that they've had intercourse with, great intercourse, less than great intercourse, their mothers, their fathers, their history. We are all bundles of energy dancing through the universe. And then when we meet, when we meet, when we come together, you know, choose wisely. Mm -hmm. Who are you choosing? As a woman, we are receiving vessels. Who am I choosing to receive from? Mm -hmm. And know what you're receiving. Mm -hmm. You and I both have had um, very interesting experience that were less than kind. Mm -hmm. Should we call it that way? Yeah. And I, I know that the last experience I had has really, you know, really put me in a place where my awareness and my alertness, not as a armor, not as armor, no, not like that. But the, the blossoming of the vessel got bigger. I didn't shut down, I got bigger because I always say I'm, I wanna get bigger than my circumstances and my circumstances will not put me down or shut me into a box. And is it painful to have experiences like that yes 
And will they happen? Possibly. Yet if I shut down from an experience that was painful or negative or hurtful, let's, call, let's, do, let's do the highest as a rape, let's say in the Western world, being raped, being gang raped, whatever. If I allow that, if I abdicate my joy for the future or in this moment to whatever happened in the past, then, then whoever that person was, the perpetrator or the person who took on the act of whatever they did, then they win. Hmm. Because my life is still being impacted by whatever happened five years ago, 10 years ago, seven years ago, 12 years ago. In my childhood, how many people are walking around with childhood wounds and those childhood wounds are running their world? I always say, if I don't heal the wounds from the people who cut me, I will bleed on the people who love me. Yeah. And so much of that is happening. It is. And, and it's really quite worrying. And it, it is. It, it's, it's worrisome because, because we're, we're talking about sensuality because now mm -hmm. we're all getting more mature. We're getting older. We're getting wiser. And then suddenly there's this wound that's running our lives. Is that what you want? Mm -hmm. Do you want that wound to be running your life? And I say that because I think a lot of the conversations you and I are having are based on other people's shame. Mm -hmm. you know? Like I've opened my mouth and I've said something and people, people have said to me, I'm ashamed for you. I'm like, go be ashamed for yourself. You don't need to be ashamed for me. I don't need anyone to be ashamed for me. I'm not ashamed. Yeah. I'm not ashamed about talking about vaginas and penises and orgasms. It's, it's a part of who we are as humanity. And the more we tuck it away and the, 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 the more we don't talk about it, the bigger it grows. It's like a, a, it's like a microbe that gets put into a dish and then it goes into the dark and then it grows really big. Mm -hmm. I mean, the shame just keeps growing and growing. And this is the thing that I, I find really quite upsetting in a lot of ways. Um, that when you have other women um, shaming other women for having the freedom to talk about some of these subjects that we talk about um, and um, the shame of when it comes to pleasing yourself and learning about your body and learning about what, pleasures you like and which pleasures you dislike um, and there's been so much shaming from men and from society and from religions over the years that when women take that on that role and start shaming other women this is a really deep wound within the sisterhood and I remember recently um, I was talking to a lady and one of the things that I um I have a quite a strong uh, value that, or part of my moral compass, that I find it very difficult to be in the company of a woman who knowingly sleeps with a man who is married because marriage is a sacred space. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, if you knowingly sleep with a man who is married, it's it's a, re it's a betrayal of the sisterhood and that impacts that woman not just in her in her confidence in herself but it impacts her uh, her belief in her ability to either do business or fall in love again or and it really runs throughout I mean my ex-husband he cheated on me um, if you want to call it that now I you know, we, we've got on the other side of it and we are now in a very healthy co-parenting relationship. We were discussing, um, and the, I think one of the earlier conversations, episode three or four um, of the Truth Serum, him and I got on the call and we, we discussed this. Um, you know, what it was like moving through that and why we chose, because we chose to get married because we knew we'd make great parents. We were in love with each other um, because we knew we'd make great parents but he would always say that I didn't love Dawn because I, I didn't marry Dawn because I loved her I married her because I knew she'd make a great wife but you um, I'm sorry a great mother 
And the thing is, all of those things that made me a great mother were the things that he fell in love with. Mm. But it was that we knew we both wanted to get married and have children. So we had that goal. And it's the same thing. If you know that you want to have a close relationship with other women, but you're doing things that betray women, whether it is uh, criticizing the way they dress or criticizing the way that they parent or you're criticizing the things that they talk about or you're shaming them for having conversations you're not courageous or um comfortable you're not comfortable there's that comfortable word. yeah have I it have, i have a lot to say about that word but we're gonna we're gonna take that word apart the second you finish your thought yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for me it's like it's one of the same thing and if we're shaming each other for our bodies and for, and one of the things that on the the, um, the sacral series podcast that I have, um, I start the description of the podcast saying people are more offended by swearing than they are by human rights violations and sexual abuse. That's so true. And so we are more offended by other people expressing who they are for fear of rejection of other people who we're trying to impress than we are about actually the wounds that it's bringing up for us. Mm. Did I just lose that train of thought now? I think I, I think I caught that nope. round quite well, actually. You'd, yeah, you'd have got that. I and you can yeah. go back. It's okay. Yeah. It's, there's yeah. no there's no rules. I'm just like, oh my God, like we're, I've just gone off on one again and like da, 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 we're gonna come back full circle and it's all good. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> Did you I finish the point I was gonna make? <laughs> I get it a lot. People go, Well, she went off on a tangent and then she yeah. back and finished. <laughs> Why is she not? So I'm gonna go back to finishing the thought. I'm gonna go back to the word that Thank Americans you. love. Which I'm is gonna have a sip of tea. Yeah, you have a sip of tea the word uncomfortable. So in my world, the only thing that's uncomfortable is a G-string. Everything else has a name. So when people say, oh, I'm just so uncomfortable, I go, stop. As an image therapist, I really want you to just take a breath and explain to yourself. You don't even have to explain it to me, but tell yourself what is it that's putting you in such discomfortness? It's because it's discomfortable. It's not uncomfortable. And underneath the discomfort, there are words. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm pissed off at you. I'm going to go into the kitchen, open the drawer, take two forks and stick them in your eye kind of way. I'm this. I'm that. I'm happy. I'm in bliss. I'm orgasmic. I feel tender. I feel soft. I feel... Mm, a little bit too exposed, B but we don't go into the language enough to actually express what it is that's happening. And that's the piece that I'm, I'm so, I'm like now really championing um, something that I developed over COVID, maybe because of exactly this, because of people not using their words, use your words you know we tell children use your words inside voice only outside voice this is your outside voice but you're inside mm -hmm. so we cannot expect people to talk about their feelings when they have no education no emotional education meaning embodied somatic experience of a feeling and we also don't have the library the on the ontological language to go with it so i created i don't know have you talked you and i talked about this where i created a domain i created a whole new domain which i coined <laughs> do you tell emotional we've covered so many topics i'm not quite sure what's coming next but <laughs> emotional eloquence like how can you how can you expect a child to know what it is that they're feeling if they don't have a list if they've never been been brought to the trough or brought to this like beautiful amazing ocean of words the ocean of emotion is totally available to us but when a child oh, is I, do. I, I just love that phrase the ocean of emotion that that's just that's landed with part me of, really that's part of yeah that's part of the um emotional eloquence conversation and then emotional elegant eloquence like you can express anything you want but when you don't have the language to go for it and say 
you know, what I'm feeling is disappointed. We have, if you ask people out there, if you go on the street and ask people, so what's, you know, what kind of feelings do you have? Most people can access maybe eloquently, they can access 15. But the, the, the dialing it in of the difference between jealousy and envy or the difference between anger and hate or the difference between love and bliss or the difference between joy and happiness or the, those things are not dialed in people don't know so they have like two major emotions that kind of like come to the foreground like happiness is really one or joy or expressing some kind of sort of like positive energy or, or, or good energy. And then there's one that's like not so good energy. Most people who are easily, um, let's say triggered into that, into the anger, those two show up. Hmm. No one has stopped and said, okay, here's the anger, but me as an image therapist, or maybe, maybe Brene Brown does some of this work. As an image therapist, I look at the anger and I go, tell me why you're so triggered. Like, what is that? So you're angry. Why are you angry? I'm uncomfortable. No, 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 no. Words. What is it? Are you, are you, are you hateful? Are you hurting? Are you sad? Is your anger masking sadness? So behind mm -hmm. that sadness, there could be depression. There could be disappointment. There could be fear. Mostly at the end of anger, all the way back there is shame. When people get reactive in a negative way, usually if you take it all the way down the spiral, there's usually shame. I've always said to my boys that if you're feeling angry, there's it's always a second or third emotion at least That's for you exactly to be in there. And I've and so I've said, you know, do you want to have, have a game of cards and let's just talk about it? So we're playing cards, and it's yeah. so it's like then they're able to think and process it a different way. And I'm like, you know what? If you just need to just go draw something you know and we used to have a game on the Wii that we used to play when they were younger and I, yeah. um, like a game of tennis I said do you yeah. want to go have a game of tennis to get rid of that do you want to move that energy through? energy it's it's mm -hmm. all energy and if we cannot and as a as a as a people you know as humanity I mean I think we used to be able to do this I think centuries ago there were much more spiritual um, connections available to us between humanity you know we also we also lived our lives very different like we used to live in tribes you know mm -hmm. children had multiple grandparents and uncles and aunts and cousins and everybody was there so the energy of of any human being was held by multiple people and for yeah. multiple people at the same time and now we're sitting alone in these blocks apartments we usually by ourselves you know you're, you're lucky if you have your your children or your family with you every once in a while people now have dinner together there is no such thing as every night at seven o'clock everybody sits down together for dinner at the table and there's there's an energy exchange so so all of this and i'm going to bring it back to the sensuality the sex and the and the expression of that because ontologically like in the body the somatic experience of living nothing really shows up unless we can articulate it distinctions of our life are created in language if i cannot language it it's not distinguishable that's humanity that's how that's how language works the more i can articulate something in language and create distinctions like sex versus fucking versus making love versus intercourse. Sorry, you just reminded me of an article analogy that I used about <laughs> sex and food. Sex and food? What? Yeah, I have this. Um, I've always seen that you've got, um, I was like, you know, to use intercourse is like just like food because you've yeah. got the sex, which is the, you know, it's just sex. It's empty, meaningless. It really has no value. It's like I'm going to food. turn on some lights, honey. Keep talking. I'm okay. just going to turn on a light here. Okay. It's very dark. Um, and so you've got the, uh, it's like, you know, your fast food, like your McDonald's. There's nothing nutritious about it. There's nothing valuable in it. Right. It's just a waste of time and money. And right. then you've got the fuck, which is, it can be so nourishing. It can, 
it can just be wild and it's just oh I needed that you know and that for me is like you know you've um I know you've been out all day you know, and you've just come in you've chopped all your veggies you've chucked them in the oven um and then you've gone and had a shower uh you know and you've come back and you've just sat down taken all the veggies out of the oven and you just put them down or you've got a really lovely salad um and it's just, it's, it's nourishing your body but it's just what you needed you know right. it's, and then you've got the making love which is the you know when you wake up in the morning and then you you know and it's you know that really juicy start to the day and um and that could just be something you know like waking up in each other's arms and watching the other one get dressed and then go out on their way to work and you know that lingering look that they leave you with as they go out the door and then you get you know and you're like oh I can't wait till later and then when they come back later or like you know and they come in and they put their arm around you while you're making dinner or like they you know you start making dinner together and you know and there's like those little touches it might be a smack of the backside which is very nice um you know very playful and then you know as the night goes on you're still making love you're still in that space of making love with one another and you get into bed, they might read you a story, you know, like, or you might have those delicious conversations about what's happening in the future and in those moments. And like that, it's just building up and building up and building up. And then you you start the, the whole beautiful uh, soul deep connection, the one that's nourishing and that's your fine dining. That is your highly organic, <laughs> uh, natural Oh, so soil nourished, everything juicy. That is your making love. And that is, so that for me is a distinction. And um, like we were saying earlier, like when we are choosing a partner and we've got to this point, for me, I'm, I don't, I, I've got my children. I don't want any more children. I, I, I don't, I certainly don't want a male who is an adult but is another child I certainly don't want that and the thing is it's like as women like until we see within ourselves who we are and we embody these things for ourselves then how can we call that in in another person and if we don't know how to please ourselves in the bedroom and the boardroom in our home and we don't know who we are then we don't know who we want to be with and there might be distractions along the way you know again it's like my article in the house of preeminence a couple of months ago a man's got to earn his rights to at my table yes i that was a great article and so the original was even better (laughs) (laughs) you know it's so interesting that you say that the the I always say the cartography of my body, you know, the, mm. when a woman. I like cartography. We use that in sailing. Yeah. Because it's from sailing. Cartography. Yeah. The cartography of a woman's body um, is, is so that's the fulcrum of who we are as women. You know, what's interesting is, you know, what you just described, the, the five course meal, you know, the beautiful, mm. amazing, that part of it, Sadly enough, and Don, maybe you and I can kind of step into that for men. I don't think there's anyone out there really um, showing men this this understanding, verbal, visual, and also emotional, meaning the somatic experience in the body, that for a woman, making love doesn't happen. It's like that's not happening in the bedroom. It happens in life you know Mm -hmm. you mentioned all those little things he comes and he pats you on the booty or he hugs you from behind and kisses you on the neck or he calls or he brings flowers you know like those or sweetie can i help you and it's like what can i do you're making dinner let me help or let me do something can i set the table like it's it's not understood how far and how amazing those pieces are because those are the pieces that bring us together those mm-hmm. are the pieces that that show me that my man is my helpmeet. I, I love that uh, saying, helpmeet. Someone who helps and meets you where you're at, you know? Absolutely. And, and so it's like, it's so, we're so different. Men and women are so different. And it's so great that we're so different, you know? Yeah. The flower, yeah. 
just stands inside of a, a garden, you know, as a, as a receiving vessel. Like we are receiving vessels. We're not, we don't have legs to go run around and, and run after guys and put ourselves at their feet and at, at their, you know, begging. But I'm seeing a lot of women do it. And it's, it just makes me sad. Makes I use sad. the analogy that I'm like a lighthouse. So I'm going to stand here and radiate my light. I'm just going to be here. Yeah. I'm here. That's it. Yeah. It's not my job to be a bee. It's my job to be a flower. Mm. And, and some people might listen to this and they go, wow, that's really, that, where did that come from? But the truth is we are different. You know, our bodies are receiving vessels. We have a whole different dynamic happening in our brain. Our corpus callosum is bigger than, larger than a man. So the, the left and the right hemisphere of our brains is constantly speaking to one another in a much greater way. We have a, a wider conversation going on and we have different needs. A woman has different needs than a man. And they're not needs from like the frontal lobe saying, I want a Gucci bag. No, there are needs from the very archaic system. You know, it's our mm -hmm. reptilian brain that's saying, here, this. And, and it's so interesting how people try to, a lot of the world tries to go against that, you know, to mm -hmm. know women are equal. I'm like, no. I don't think we're equal. I mean, in today, uh, on day two of the Human Rights Month, which is uh, the time of this being recorded, we're actually on. I actually wrote that, you know, I am, uh, there's really no difference between my rights and those of a man. And I'm not a feminist. I don't mm. really believe in feminism because human, for me, human rights. I believe in human rights are human rights, not just women's rights, but men's rights are equally important as our women's rights, as well as animal rights. And, you know, and I just feel that, um, and people have said to me, you're very old fashioned, Dawn. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't see why that is. I'm just understanding that, um, you know, I, I remember um, passing through some doors in a hotel recently that I was staying in and this gentleman held the door open for me and I was like thank you so much um, and he says you're very welcome um, and then um, you know that was just a lovely exchange and then when I went down for dinner I was you know in I was in one of my dresses and you know and I came and the, the waiter he held the chair open for me and you know and as I sat down he pushed and I was just like, this is just oh, so wonderful. So nice. Why would any woman not want this? And oh then, um, <laughs> like, why would you not want to have a gentleman hold the door open for you? Oh, not only do they not, not, sorry, Don, to interrupt your train of thought here, but not only do they not want it, they go up against these guys. And I can hold my door. Thank you very much. I don't need you to hold my door. When I see that, I step in. I actually have stepped in and said to the woman, I pulled her aside and I'm like, why would you say that? He yeah. just, he it just be kind. Something so lovely for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And men want to serve us. Men love yeah. it. You know, like they love. Three things they want. Provide, protect, and procreate. Provide, protect, and procreate. They want to protect you. They, it's like such a lovely, lovely gesture. Oh, this story that you're just telling. The other day, uh, this gentleman did something really lovely. I'm in the car with my mom and he does something lovely. I pull down my window and I say, I'm so grateful to see that chivalry is alive and well. And you know what mm -hmm. he turns around? Without a thought, this is an older gentleman, without a thought, he turns around and says to me, as is your beauty. Had I not been sitting down, I would have most probably gone, oh my God. And my mother is sitting next to me and he goes, well, he's really got it going on. But see, it was so fast and it was so real and so authentic mm -hmm. that there was no, he wasn't playing. Mm -hmm. And so we, as women, I believe, because we are a little bit of a, at a higher level, it's up to us to really acknowledge men. We hmm. need to acknowledge them. 
you know, the whole 60s movement and burning bras and has totally, in, in my opinion, in my very humble opinion, I'm sure that you're going to get a lot of feedback on this. People are going to say, what is this? What is Liano saying? But it has emasculated men. Yes, absolutely. And it has emasculated men, you know, there, especially in America, when, when I talk about this and, you know, I'm, I'm dating and I'm talking to, to gentlemen from all over, it's sad. It's like, they're afraid to pay you a compliment. They're afraid mm -hmm. to, to, to be bold and chivalrous and, and to take a chance to take a risk, which mm -hmm. is what men innately do. Mm -hmm. I was in Tenerife one day uh, when I was, well, when I was there um, waiting to sail across the Atlantic and I was sat in a cafe writing away um, and this coffee arrived and I was like, I didn't order that. <laughs> I didn't order that. Did I order that? And then I heard a little chuckle. Um, and um, I, was, I mean, I was just like, I just sat there and I was so confused. I was like, I don't know, like, as I've been writing and obviously the world, when I'm in writing mode, the world disappears. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I did. And um, the gentleman that was sat, he goes, well, he goes, you've been working so tirelessly there. He goes, you obviously need a drink. So I thought, you know, I just asked the waiter to send you a coffee. And I was like, that is so kind of you. Thank you oh. so much. Yeah, you know, and, and just that thoughtful thing. And he goes, and he goes, I was a bit nervous. He goes, because I, I can see that you're a younger woman. And, you know, today, and we got into this conversation about how so many women are emasculating men and mothers are emasculating fathers, um, you know, fun. by saying yeah. to them, oh, you're doing that wrong. No, they're just doing it differently they're not you they're not going to do it your way like we were saying at the beginning of this conversation people do things differently and just because you're the father of your child is choosing to parent them in a much different way um in a very different way where's my english gone um in a very different way uh, <laughs> honestly speaking five <laughs> languages not doing my english any good at all um like I keep getting like superlatives and, and like I'm just like like what am I talking about that was really bad English but I'm noticing that the grammar from all the other languages is infiltrating I mean it as does. you know like you speak it does and it's a real thing um but and he and we we got into this conversation and and he was like you are so refreshing for a young lady mm. and I was and part of me I was like well I'm a lady at the moment but you know and I was like, okay, it's really not the time for that kind of conversation, Dawn Louise. And I heard my mom in my head, you know, I mean, the fact that I said Dawn Louise, I mean, I don't even, sometimes I call myself Dawn Louise when I have to give myself a stern talking to, but it was just so interesting that like in this moment, I was like, that's not the conversation to be having right here. Wow. Um, and um, you showed but it up, your mother showed up. Isn't that interesting? Oh, my mother shows up, you know. See, there we like, are again. At that if I don't make my bed in the morning, it's like, oh, my God, she's 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 on me. Right? The, she's in the there. Make your bed. Our... If you can't make your bed, you don't deserve to sleep in it. Oh, my so God. The beginning. Yeah. Oh. The beginning of our conversation was just that. It's like. Yeah. That your mother, our mothers have had a huge, huge impact on us. Oh, and haven't they just? <laughs> And are we, actually, are we actually living our lives through the lens of, of our own soul or are we living our lives through the lens of someone else's opinion of us? Mm. And mm. You're, you're Beautiful. Just, and what a way to wrap it up. What a way to wrap it up. Full circle. We're listening. Yeah. There's like so many more conversations that we can have. And oh, we're gonna, uh, I'm so going to have you back on the show. Absolutely. We will, but if they want to, yeah. if they want to get a free gift, they want to get a free video series. We should, um, should we point them to that, Don? Yes, please tell them, please, because um, one of the things that I, I would love for as many people to connect with you as possible, um, and uh, so tell us about this free video series that you've got going. It is betheoffer.com. Betheoffer.com. B e t h e o-f-f-e-r.com go to that and it's it's a very interesting way for you to be able to look at yourself because you are the fulcrum of your life you are the masterpiece and 
every masterpiece has its own. Now, this is really interesting. I'm going to stop you there because we've just lost you. Your internet started to cut out at that. So we didn't actually get the internet address and we didn't get the description of what that was about. And okay. you frozen. Let's try this again. Oh my gosh. That's can so you weird. hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. You can hear me. I can hear you now. Can you oh, hear me now? So can I you can hear you. Can you see me and hear me? We can see you and hear you again. Oh my God. I have no idea. What, look at that. The second I started talking, it went away. So should I repeat it? Yeah. Okay. Yes, please. Okay. I'm going to repeat it. Bvoffer.com. I'm going to spell it out for you. B-E-T-H-E-O-F-F-E-R.com. Because it is a, a wonderful video series that guides you back to you, who you are as a human being because every person is a masterpiece and you each have your own essential formula. And this is just like a tiny little introduction. You can learn a lot. So enjoy it. It's my gift. Yeah. And for those who uh, didn't get that written down, I, they will be in the show notes. Um, and we'll be making sure that everybody gets uh, access to those. And um, all of the Liana's details and where you can find it will be um, here for you to access. And I just want to say with so much gratitude, thank you so much for joining me today. I know we've got many more conversations to have and very on the podcast and off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all. Yeah, very much so. Thank you all very much for joining us today. And remember... No matter what you're going to go through in life, just remember everything happens for you, not to you. And in the words of Morchiba, enjoy the ride. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Truth Serum Podcast. You can follow Dawn directly through her Instagram account, instagram.com forward slash real Dawn Bates. This is an invitation-only podcast. That said, if you would like to speak with us or come on the show, please send an email through hello at dawnbates.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Remember to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Sharing is caring, so share away. Until next time, folks, grab a good book, see a sunset, and expand your knowledge and experience.